Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. To 95.7 The Game. Happy Sunday. Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason, Evan Giddings on 95.7 The Game. On the text line here, 888-957-9570. From the 510, fellas, you made me feel bad a minute ago. I'm 55. I'm wearing my hat backwards today. You know, if it feels good, do it. I'm just, to me, and it depends what kind of game you got, as Evan says. And Evan's not as... Uh, what's the word stern about this as I am to me it's just like once you get like a little past 40 time to wear the hat frontwards I don't know I but that's up to you do what do what you want do what do what makes you feel good I'm willing to cut the 510 a little bit of slack here because and and I we're on radio understand but I did turn my cap backwards just for this segment why for this final hour the final push of our four hours together to show you also that there needs to be some Difference between the flat brim, new era, classic hat. To me, that that one looks a little bit worse when you flip it around. Mm. Like kind of the, the griffy look that only some can pull off. But if you got, you know, a dad cap, you got a strap in the back, I think it's okay if you turn it around. I think it's okay if you flip it at age 55 because you're already wearing a dad cap. How about or you're this? already wearing a mom cap. Pardon me, Evan, but from the 510, guys, I'm 64. I still wear my baseball cap backwards. Can't stop. 64 Evan. So what he he would officially be a senior citizen. Do they ha- do they have uh senior caps? Can, you, can we can we find <laughs> I hope not but they probably do. As long as it doesn't have a propeller on it. Then 50 is the new 40 says the 510. Yeah, it's just I I I don't know a lot of people that feel that way that share my feelings but to me there's there's an age cut off and to me it's right about 40 and then you know a little wiggle room there on both sides but hmm hmm I'm sorry. If you qualify for AARP, then turn that hat around and no, come on, stop it. No, yeah, so, all right. Yeah. But what if you're rocking, like, for example, my dad is a little older, older than 64, and he wears Kangos. He wears, he wears kind of the, the Samuel Jackson old yeah, man swag hat. The, uh, the Bruce Arians. The Bruce Arians. Yeah. Are you allowed to flip that around? Would, is there even a reason to do that? Would anyone even? Because it's know game you time, Whitey. When you turn it around, you lock in. That's what. <laughs> oh, you would, can you even wear those backwards? I've seen some people on the golf course, you know, flip oh. it around. It. I think. Uh, who's, uh, what? 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 John? John Daly. I think I yeah. saw flip, okay. flip the flip the Kango around. All right. Yeah. And they proceeded to put a ball three hundred yards out ahead. Okay. So again, I it's it's all about the individual. I, I it think is. If you're feeling yourself, you look good. You play good. Turn that cap around. Yeah. From the 510, that's old school thinking, LOL. It is. I admit, uh, your guy Julio Rodriguez, home run derby, no cap. I was like, he can't play. <laughs> doesn't count. He doesn't have a cap on. So, yes, you're right. I'm definitely guilty of that. Uh, today, there was breaking news, very sad breaking news. 
Um, we we lost the great Bill Russell today. Bill Russell, Celtics legend, USF legend, NBA legend, uh, passed away at the age of 88. And uh, 888-957-9570. I know uh, Shaga wanted to uh, chime in and talk about that. Yeah, Shaka, pardon me. Shaka, you're on 95.7 of the game. Thanks for checking in. What's on your mind? Hey, man, how y'all doing, man? It's a Good. sad day, man, for yeah. us, man. Yes. For um, African-Americans, man, because Bill Russell meant so much to us, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Coming from um, Mac in Oakland, then, go, then, you know, then going to USF and going on to Boston and going through what he his ordeal as a player back in Boston in those days. Yes. And just being the great winner he was, you know. Just being, just being the great winner he was, won 11 championships. He won 11 championships, and also he also was a coach, was the first black coach. He won a championship as well. And just, just standing up for standing up for Muhammad Ali when Muhammad he went through his ordeal, it, it just showed great, great, just the person he was, him, Kareem, uh, um, Jim Brown, Rosie Greer, just, just, just for uh, back in those days, well, you know, the, the stuff everybody else was going through as an African American, he showed a lot of pride. The way he lived his life, I just wanted to say um, prayers for prayers, prayers for prayers for uh, his family, man. I just, thank you for taking my call, man. Y'all have a good day. You too, thank you, Shaka. We appreciate that. We we talked uh, earlier to a guy that worked with uh, Bill Russell for many years, Jerry Reynolds, um, and yeah, we've been we've been talking about Russ uh, here and there throughout the show. Um, one of a kind, and I just want to mention this again from ESPN because I think this is this is very well said, Shaka. To your point, over a 15 year period there, uh, Bill Russell had the most remarkable career of any player in the history of team sports. Two time All American at USF, 55 straight wins, gold medal at the Olympics in 56. And then he goes to the Celtics, 13 years. He goes to the finals 12 times, winning 11. Championships, five-time MVP, twelve-time All-Star, great man. To your point, Shaka, the things he had to go through playing in Boston, we don't even want to know about. Can't imagine what that was like. But a great man and a great winner. Oh, absolutely, and and he also changed the game. He changed the rules of the game. They had to widen the lane because of Bill Russell, as as Jerry Reynolds, you know, mentioned earlier. Basket interference wasn't a thing before Bill Russell got there because he would tip the ball off the rim. So they had to institute that rule to to kind of limit the greatness that he had. And and one last thing I do want to mention also is you know in reference, he, uh, Shaka mentioned Mac, of course, McClymans in West Oakland. Mm-hmm. So many great athletes coming out of just that area. Of course, this the city of Oakland has produced many famous and important influential athletes. But even just West Oakland, you think about Frank Robinson, Kurt Flood, Paul Silas, all of those guys in just like a, a six-block radius, which is so incredible and and points to how much talent there was in the city of Oakland and Bill Russell's at the top of that list. Yeah, and guys like Russell and Kurt Flood had impact uh, on society beyond just sports as well. By the way, Bill Russell averaged 22.5 per game. Rebounds! That was that was 22 and a half rebounds per game. And I know the game is different now. Um, so, you know, it's just not really possible to do that now. But he averaged 22 and a half rebounds, 15.1 points, 4.3 assists per game. 
over his career. Well, Greatest a, defender of all time. What did Pat Riley say? Rebounds win championships? And that, that is epitomized by Bill Russell and still is true to this day. 888-957-9570. Kurt in Oakland joins us 95-7 The Game. How are you, Kurt? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple things I would love to say about Bill Russell. Uh, I wish they had recorded blocks back when he was playing because Kareem has close, I mean, not Kareem, sorry, Elijah Wan has close to 4,000 blocks, and Russell would have easily doubled that. Um, another one that I would like to say is people, you know, people ask Russell, why didn't you score more points? And he goes, I could have, but my team wouldn't win. So mm-hmm. what was the point? Mm-hmm. And then my, my last story I want to say was when Steve Kerr was a commentator, he once asked Bill Russell, hey, um, in today's game, how many points would you average? And Bill Russell goes, oh, about 10 to 12 points. And Steve Kerr goes, that's it. And Russell says, well, I am 77. There you go. You know, but yeah. <laughs> that was Russell in a nutshell. Yes. You know, thanks thank- for taking my call, guys. No, thank you, Kurt. You raised some really interesting points on the blocks. Per game, yeah, you're probably right. He'd have a ton, but he just had more impactful blocks. And I'm not saying you're wrong. It's a great point. I agree with you. But it wasn't just the number. It was, as, as our guest Jerry Reynolds explained, explained earlier, Bill Russell was very mindful of, if you're going to block a shot, you know, block it to a teammate. Maybe, you know, like start a fast break, but just make sure you block a shot out of bounds. Big deal. I mean, I used to coach kids, and sometimes, you know, you put up a shot, someone blocks it out of bounds, and the gym goes, ooh, and I'd say, Big, it's our ball. We're, we're fine. Right, you're not gonna. We still get the ball, but if you if you're mindful as Russell was, like few if any others, block it and control it. Make sure your team gets the ball. That's the point. And he understood things like that better than I think a lot of guys even playing today. And he was that was also one of the reasons why he he could turn himself into a one man fast break. I know he was also a great passer and was able to get out in transition, literally move the ball up, block it, get the rebound, push it. And that helped the Celtics to success. But if he wanted to go coast to coast, he could too. And that was something that just did not happen, especially at that height. And something we also forgot to mention too is, you know, he was, was kind of undersized for for the position yes. that he played six eight six nine. He wasn't the in you know, the seven foot monster that that Wilt was. You know, he wasn't Shaq. He wasn't even maybe Olajuwon. But he got the most out of his frame, and he got the most out of the Boston Celtics. Eight straight titles, which I don't think will ever happen again. What? Eight straight titles? Yeah, and you know, some people will say, well, there's only four teams. Mm, there was eight, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, yeah, you know, Will Chamberlain was in the league, too. And to beat them almost every year as they did, except I think one year uh, in the finals did Chamberlain's team beat Russell's team one time. Um, it wasn't just Russ, but he had an awful lot to do with it. So we'll never forget uh, the great Bill Russell. Tell Jerry West that there were only eight teams yeah. in the NBA. <laughs> Wouldn't you hate to be the guy who drafted Bill Russell second and drafted the guy first over Bill Russell? Yes, but worse than that would be the guy that drafted Bill Russell second and then traded him for like some, <laughs> yeah. some dates, some circus dates at my arena. I believe that's actually what it came down to. Part of it was, yeah, we'll give you this guy, that guy. We need some more di- circus dates in our arena. That's what it came down to. I'd, so I'd rather be the guy that passed on Russ than the guy who traded Bill Russell for the circus dates. Yeah, St. Louis um, might still have a basketball team if they kept Bill Russell. Do you guys know the pick, actually, the number one pick in that draft? Uh, I think it was Andre Iguodala. Eh. No. What was it? Cy Green. Cy Green, oh, sure. Yes, I great, remember like great, it was yesterday. Great Cy Green. Yeah. I, you know, 3 and D guy. Uh, really, couldn't go left very well. But other than that, uh, a fine player. 
Uh, the Warriors winning at a level, well, not Celtic-like, but about as close as we've seen uh, in many, many years. And now it's all perhaps jeopardized by the Warriors' financial situation, Evan, as I know you guys have been talking about, we've all been talking about. I just wanted to say a few things here in defense of Draymond Green. We've all talked about Draymond a lot this week, and we may be talking a lot more about Draymond We'll see, depending on how he handles the situation. So I know a lot of people have been really um, blasting Draymond, and he's you know he can handle it. Obviously, he's a big boy, and some of that he 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 lives with that kind of controversy. But just to be clear, Draymond Green is not publicly demanding anything, right, Evan? The story came out in the Athletic. Draymond wants and expects an extension. That's what came out in the Athletic. Draymond publicly isn't saying any of that. Um, I'm wondering where that came from. Did it come from the team? If it did, if I'm Draymond, I, maybe I'm not crazy about that. But he's not publicly demanding anything. What he is asking for, according to the report, it's it's within, he's contractually uh, allowed to ask for that. He's eligible for a max extension starting August 3rd. If that's what he wants, that's it. That's part of the contract. And even if he plays hardball and says, well, if I don't get that, I will opt out. He, he has an option year. That's in his contract. So, okay, I, I, I think some people frame it as these guys, they want all this. They don't honor their contracts. We had a call Friday from someone who said that. Um, I, he, in no ways here, based on what we know, is he not honoring his contract? No, and that's why he's also probably not going to opt out of his player option for next season because he, at this point, at least I feel like he should know that he's, he's not going to get a four-year max, and whether it was purposeful or not, I do think, and this is where I'll give him credit for being smart, is the the deadline or, or the open date is August 3rd as to when he's allowed to get. Where they the, could give him one they, if they, could they extend wanted him. to. If they yeah, wanted to yeah. extend him, they could after August 3rd. So, you know, whether he, he leaked it himself or it was someone in his camp, he slips that out a week and a half before that date opens up, and then everyone at least has to consider it and he can bring it to the table then if if he you know has a defensive player of the year type season the way he was the first half of of last year he can he can then go back and reference hey you know like i have been thinking about this you guys knew that i was thinking about this and it was publicly reported that i believe i am worth you know x amount 138 million over 4 years or whatever the, the number was so this is is more i think just something that he's hoping to be able to use as a reference point in the future and Look, he's never going to have more leverage for the rest of his career. Coming off of a championship, whether or not he was great throughout the playoffs, he was great when it mattered, which was the last couple of games in the finals. And he's not going to—he's not getting any younger. He's probably not going to get any better. And so this is his time to try and maximize his earnings. And again, like you said, he himself, Draymond Green, has not uttered anything. I know he released a podcast on the volume a couple days ago. That was a pre-recorded interview with DeMar DeRozan. He didn't reference the contract extension ask at all. And so I'm curious to see when he answers those questions, because I'm sure they're coming. But I doubt it'll be before August 3rd when we'll hear him publicly speak about that. And look, he's he's trying to play the game. And I don't think the Warriors are going to give in, but it doesn't mean that he can't at least try. Right. Yeah, and he may say, he may talk to the team or his representation talks to the team. They may say, you know what, we're going to wait a year, then we'll see. Maybe Draymond says, okay, I mean, I like the extension, but okay. We don't know, and I think the narrative 
um, got a little bit out of hand last week when you hear people hearing what they heard and uh, us talking about what we read and some people assuming that was what's wrong i can't believe what draymond's doing draymond really to this point hadn't done anything and what he may do is something that he's contractually allowed to do so we'll just have to wait and see about that all that said if i were the warriors and i'm looking at how am i going to pay these four guys he would be the guy that i'd, I'd be thinking down the road, he's probably not going to be worth that. If we can kick this can down the road another year, maybe at that point, it's more obvious that he's not going to be worth that. Maybe that's where some of this financial pressure is relieved. But we just don't know yet, and it behooves them to wait this out. Well, that's why I also think it was it was intelligent of, of Joe Lacob when he was doing his you know his his championship tour, doing promos, you know, publicity, uh, you know, podcasts, conversations explicitly stating that there is a limit to his finances because I think a lot of people and myself included interpreted that when he mentioned, you know, there's a certain number we can't go past in reference to, okay, well, we can't maybe extend some of the younger guys to the contracts that, that they want, whether it be Wiggins or pool. I know Wiseman will be eligible for an extension next, uh, next summer. And then of course you're looking at Kaminga and Moody and they're going to be eventually wanting to be paid. But that number may in fact, had had been a reference to kind of the older guard to say, look, we don't have the money to continue to pay you. Whether you feel like you're you're deserving of Max or not, and whether we, you know, owe you or don't owe you, based on the amount of assets on this team that need to be paid, Draymond, you're pretty far behind. Like you're not at the top of the pecking order. And whether through a source or a report you're trying to kind of establish yourself at the top of the hierarchy, Lacob is is letting us know that, look, maybe maybe it's Draymond or maybe it's Clay Thompson. I mean, I, Clay is not the kind of guy I think that would leak something like that if he did want a max extension. But Joe Lacob is setting his foot down and trying to at least draw some line in the sand of, look, we're not going to we cannot pay everyone this money. And that includes you, Draymond, whether you got four championships or eight based on where you are at this point in your career. We can't give you a lifetime achievement contract. Yeah, we'll see how Draymond responds. And he doesn't have to respond to any of this. Again, I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was from Draymond's camp. Maybe it was from the Warriors who let the writers, you know, as Thompson and Slater, and they're very well connected, and they know what's going on. Who knows where they got that information? I don't doubt the veracity of that, but I just don't know where it came from. So that could, to a degree, dictate what Draymond's response is, if he has a response. As for his podcast, and you were telling me about this, Evan, a couple of things of interest. One was that um, Draymond talked about uh, DeMar DeRozan and how he tried to recruit him to the team last year. Yep. And there was that's a, interesting. Yeah, he did. And but but that's that's to me where the Warriors were. That that's where they were last year. We we didn't know if they needed more help to to get back to to a championship level or if you know, so that's where gonna... yeah that's pardon me but I think that's where the veterans were right yeah because we had two camps and we had Draymond and Clay and Steph and Iguodala and they felt like we're going to need some veteran help here. Well, and I know that people had discussed you know maybe Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal. But, but maybe it was a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who Draymond also took time in the podcast to explain how he felt like, you know, DeRozan had been kind of, you know, uh, not used properly in San Antonio, how he kind of been disrespected by the league a little bit for what he offers. And then in and with respect to DeRozan, he went out and had a fantastic year. He was he did. for a lot of the season in an MVP conversation. 
scored 28 points a game, 50% shooting. Like, he was he was a bounce-back player. He was absolutely going to help the Warriors. But I also thought it was telling a bit that when Draymond mentioned that he recruited DeMar, that DeRozan's first respo- response was bleep no. <laughs> absolutely not. I am not going to play in Golden State. And maybe that's because of, of Draymond. Maybe that's because he doesn't want to play in, in the shadow of Steph. We maybe. don't really know why he said that, right? But no, it, he didn't explain yeah. himself. Uh, you would say, oh, it's because he's a USC guy. <laughs> that that I would. <laughs> Him and Hifanga, top of my list. Public enemies number one and two. But th- that's that's also telling to me, because I don't know what like how free agency Golden State at this point. Even coming off of a championship, you'd think it would be a place that a lot of guys would want to get to. But, you know, last year they they were last in line for a couple of guys that came up short for some free agents they wanted. This year they had Jamichael Green. We're, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony. I mean, it's not like guys are lining up and banging on the door to get to the Warriors. And so I thought it was kind of interesting that DeRozan at least, or Draymond said it for him, but DeRozan's words were, F no, I'm not coming to Golden State. I think my guess would be what that was, was F no, I'm not going there for what they would pay me, what I'd have to get. What mm. I, how little I'd have to take, right? Because I just didn't have that much money. Yeah, so that's my guess. Is a f no, I'm not going there for a you know minimum contract or or close to that. What's going on here? And this kind of speaks to that, the fact that you had veterans last year feeling like we need to get a veteran in here. It is fascinating to me what the Warriors are trying to do. I don't think anyone's ever done it. That doesn't mean it can't be done. But again, the two timeline thing where you have a team, you win multiple championships with your core, and then you're trying to replace them with young players and and try to plug in a younger core um, right away. So you're trying to have that next group ready right away. So forget about a rebuild. It's a matter of, yeah, we've got these veterans. When they're gone, hopefully Wiseman, Kuminga, Moody Pool, they'll be ready to step in. It's really going to be difficult to do that. I thought there's no way. I don't think anyone's ever done that the way they're trying to do it. Last year, it looked like, wow, this could work. But it's still a long ways from having Steph and Clay and Draymond and then thinking guys like Kuminga, Wiseman, Moody, and Poole, they'll be just as good when it's their time. Could work, but it's never been done. Well, and that's why the whole premise that the plan worked or the, the plan to you know win now and also build they for did the future. Get it, yeah, for at least one year, you're right. It definitely worked. Well, but but this is why I got to put that on pause because we haven't seen it work yet. Like we We do know they got a bunch of young talent in the system, and by all accounts, it looks like they're going to progress and become good role players, hopefully this season, to a title-contending team. But if you look at last year, Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga played a combined 19 minutes in the finals. They did not see the floor in any in most meaningful situations. So we don't really know if the plan has worked yet. We know that the Warriors, I, I think it's safe to say, they've, they've proven that they can identify talent that they can identify and even develop talent, a la Jordan Poole. But we don't know how that's going to look once Steph, Clay, and Dre are gone. And that's why, to me, this year's kind of the first real season of the win-now-and-later era. Not that last year doesn't count. The championship is obviously amazing. But when I'm measuring you know, the, the goal of having my cake and eating it too, this year, 2022-23, 
is where I really start to evaluate that. Yeah, and please don't misunderstand. I'm not being critical of the plan. It makes about as much sense as anything. The old way would be, the more traditional way would be, and this is what the veterans wanted, load up on the veterans, and then we're going to you know, ride off into the sunset, hopefully win a few more, because all they're worried about is the end of their careers, and the Warriors are trying to look beyond that. So I understand why they're doing it, but it's just difficult. It's very tricky. It's also interesting that Draymond said, Correct me if I'm wrong, Evan, but he said on his podcast when Steph got hurt against Boston in the regular season that he felt like, we're done, we're out in the first round now. Well, he did mention that he had sent a text to his friend, and my my guess was that it was around the time that Steph had got hurt because he, he prefaced his comment by saying, you know, it just looked like it wasn't going to happen for us. You know, as soon as Clay come back, I get hurt. As soon as I come back, Steph gets hurt. And so and then he goes on to say, quote, I texted my friend and said, and I might be seeing you after the first round. Yeah. And that is immediately a red flag. Okay, you didn't believe. You didn't believe wholeheartedly that you were completely championship caliber at some point. Now, maybe two weeks later, he felt differently. Maybe the next day, Draymond felt differently. But on that day, when he sent that text to his friend that said, yeah, first round, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That is where I think a lot of us were and why I wonder why he comes after critics or media members that also doubted the Warriors. I know. That's why it's so funny when yeah, when the Warriors say, everyone doubted us. Like, well, you doubted you. Of course we doubted you. <laughs> you doubted you. And who could blame you? Uh, we got a lot to get to when we uh, come back here. Soto, where the Giants don't want him going. A lot of thoughts on the text line about wearing the cap backwards. Uh, that and more coming up. It's Evan Giddings, Whitey Gleason, 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Whitey and Evan with you here. Thanks for being with us. 888-957-9570. Let's clean up some of the texts here. Some uh, some texts from the smartest listeners in radio. Appreciate your feedback here. On the text line from the uh, 628, Whitey Gleason, known to wear his hat backwards and a current NBA player jersey with no undershirt when he plays pickup hoop games, according to many sources. Your sources are wrong, sir, on a number of fronts. I've rarely done that. And I haven't done it in a long time. So what? what when you're playing five-on-five five pickup, what do you show up in? Are, are you a short shorts guy? Why do you go like sweatpants? Um, neither. Just a more fashionable, longer shorts. I have some short shorts. I've learned that, yeah, I probably shouldn't wear these out here. I've learned the hard way. Yeah. So the shorts like size of the strike zone, top of the kneecap, up to the, the navel? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I think so, yeah. And, and then how, how do we feel about the cutoffs? How do we feel about the tank tops? Uh, tank tops, fine. Cutoffs to play basketball are still jeans, and it's just they're just too hot. Cut off jeans. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? No, Playing that's not where my mind went. But I'm glad yours did. Cut off jeans. I don't. I don't think that's a thing. Well, I wasn't in a uh, white men can't jump. I think there was a guy wearing cut off jean shorts. So it's, it's, someone had to do it at some point because in that movie. Is it Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes and then yeah. like win a two on two game against Marcus freaking Johnson? And it's like, no, when I saw it, like, no, I can't. I, this movie is, I can no, no longer suspend disbelief. So I can't, I can't, I couldn't watch it. Well, that. Marcus Johnson, he was the guy that got hustled and then, uh, yeah. And then tried to, to shoot up the place, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I well, didn't he get said that he was going to his I didn't car. Get that far. He was going to his car. He was going to get his gun. Also on the text line, Samuel Jackson wears the Kangol backwards. Samuel L. Jackson wears it backwards. I think he's 73, but cool. Yeah, and I apologize. I said, wearing it backwards, can you do that? I forgot about Samuel L. Jackson. My dad, by the way, uh, was no longer with us. He was a course marshal at Blue Rock Springs Golf Course in Vallejo for a while. Do you know the movie The Sphere? Justin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, and Samuel L. Jackson. And it's a weird, like, Michael Crichton, kind of a sci-fi underwater movie and they actually filmed it in Vallejo so during the filming of this movie Samuel L. Jackson he's a big golfer so he would go golfing in Vallejo my dad one day is like hey I was an actor on the course today I was like yeah who's that he goes Sam Jackson I said, you mean Samuel L. Jackson he goes, yeah Sam Jackson the uh the 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 actor he was out there got a pretty good swing too so I was like dad is Samuel L. Jackson my dad didn't really know who it was other than he's an actor and he's actor and he has a pretty good swing. So Vallejo more appropriately named the sphere of knowledge and wisdom. Yes. As opposed should to the be. seat. Should be. Um, from the 408, after your 20s, you should not wear a team logo hat forward or backward. If you need sun protection because you work for USPS uh, or UPS, then go ahead and wear a hat forward. Wow. After your 20s, no team logo hat forward or backward. What? This That's guy, blasphemous. Now, I wonder if he only owns bucket caps, so he doesn't have to make that decision. He's got it. You know, it's equal circumference around. It just it just covers everything. It also strikes me as a guy potentially that might have dealt with some of these sun-related issues, of which I'm currently going through right now. My my back is burnt right now, Whitey. I, I really? Did, I did not put the, the proper UV protection. Did you put any UV protection? 
I, I tried to get some of my shoulders. I just went for the big areas, you know, neck, shoulders, top of the chest, but then I, I just missed everywhere else. And <laughs> it was originally a cloudy day, so I didn't think that the sun was going to be. Are, that's, those are the worst because you don't feel the heat, but the rays are still penetrating. Oh, see, this, I, yeah. I needed this knowledge yesterday. Yeah. We, we should have we should have had a show yesterday we so that have. afterwards yeah. I, I could have we, gone. We ain't going to have a show tomorrow the way this one's no. going. So. <laughs> Yep, and and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if Dixon Machado is also on the roster tomorrow too. Yes, yes, we will. So thanks for all the feedback. We appreciate that. This whole cap thing—it's kind of a generational thing, in some ways. Um, and so was, in some ways, I think Evan the the Apple TV Plus broadcast Friday night. Yes, it is. It is a new broadcast beginning this year. I, it seems like they're kind of hoping that could be like the, the Thursday night football for baseball, you know, Friday night game. You have your Saturday game of the week on Fox and then Sunday night baseball on ESPN. John Miller and Joe Morgan. No, that was a long time ago. Sorry. I did like those broadcasts, though. Yeah. But this Apple TV Plus broadcast. I believe so. Is one that I, I just feel like continuously beats me over the head with numbers and and as much as I love statistics, and I really, you know, we've talked about our love for box scores and sabermetrics, but in the middle of a game, I, I, I don't, I don't need a, a such a specific situational stat for every single person as far as you know the the, the exit velocity. What what is a what is a pitcher? Mm-hmm. How does he do against a, a batter with you know above a ninety seven mile per hour average exit velocity from the right hand side? You know, hitting on artificial grass as opposed to turf like all of that stuff to me is is a little too much and and i think for some fans too might be a bit of a turnoff just because there's so much information that they're throwing at you and if if you understand it you can kind of compartmentalize and figure out what's relevant and what's not but i think for the average fan it's kind of tough to stay with the game if if you're just watching on a you know a normal basis which is what the normal baseball fan does i i just i just have Kind of in a little bit of an issue with it. At least when I've tuned in this season, I know that Hunter Pence has been a part of that. He's also been a part of the Giants broadcast from time to time this year, and I think he's doing a great job. And it is year one for for Apple TV Plus and this Friday night baseball product that they're putting out. So it could get better, but just for me, I, I would I would like to see. And Sunday night baseball does a little bit of a little bit of it as well. I would like to see them tone tone it back because. To me, that the numbers are not going to add to your audience, and in fact, they might hurt it. Uh, by the way, breaking news, Evan, it's official now. The uh, Giants have acquired Dixon Machado from the Iowa Cubs. So they have a new shortstop tonight. They just needed one again. It's easy to say, what? Faron did what at the deadline? They just needed to get a shortstop. What do you mean? Pencil in the postseason berth. Okay. All right. You're right. I stand corrected. Dixon Machado. Well, I was going to go over his numbers. That's not. That's not fair to him. He's sitting, minding his own business at AAA, and then poor Estrada gets beaned last night. It's like, hey, we need a shortstop. You're going to the Giants. Okay, great. I'm back in the big league, so good for him. But this has nothing to do with any of Farhan's trade deadline plan. We'll just have to wait and see uh, what happens there. As far as the broadcast Friday, and I did not watch it, I and it's fine. It's just about other ways for baseball to make money. I don't understand why this notion. Maybe there's I'm I'm misunderstanding something here that you have like the game streaming, so you have the broadcast is totally different, a lot more numbers, and the announcers with Katie Nolan and Hunter Pence, and then you make it different, and that's supposed to appeal to a younger audience. It doesn't appeal to anybody, does it? I mean, you've got your older fans 
who are just like, where's the game? It's Friday night. I want to see the game. You can't watch it unless you have Apple Plus TV. Well, I don't even know what that is. Okay. that. So what do you gain? Young people are younger fans. Well, the game's on Apple Plus TV, and it's Katie Nolan and Hunter Pence with a bunch of stats, so I'm definitely going to watch. No, they're not going to watch that, so who's watching? I don't know. What, and, what do you gain? Well, b- baseball is so much more of a regional sport than anything else. that The, the national broadcast sometimes, they kind of take away from, from the product. Like, the one thing that I, I love about MLB TV is the fact that I get I get to choose which broadcast I listen to. I can listen to the road road broadcasts. I can listen to home. I can listen to radio. I can listen to TV. And that to me is, I feel like it, it's just more of a, a personal relationship that you have with the broadcast as opposed to when, you know, Apple TV Plus just parachutes into the quote unquote Friday night game of the week. And as, as a, as a watcher, as a listener, I just want to hear my guys. And I, I, I just, I think that that's where a lot of people are at with that particular broadcast. From the 707, did they have to give up Rodon? I don't think they had to give up Rodon to get Dixon Machado. Carl Rodon? Yeah, I don't know. And Don and SF says, is it uh, Nichelle Nichols? Did we lose her as well today? From, from oh my goodness, uh, Lieutenant Uhuru from Star Trek. So we've lost... Uh, Nichelle Nichols and also the great Bill Russell. So it is a sad day. Donna San Francisco, thank you. Uh, wasn't uh, aware of of that. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, you know, baseball to me, the best broadcasters, the best broadcasts are kind of timeless and ageless. And I know baseball is a graying sport and some of the announcers have been around a long time. I just know when I was a kid, I mean, a kid listening to, you know, Giants games, it wasn't like, these guys are old. The problem, if there is one, is that just baseball, the nature of baseball, it's out of step with our society now because we want everything now, now, now. In baseball, you got to wait a little longer. And who is announcing just doesn't change that. And there's also so much of baseball, too, which which is something I personally like. I like the fact that games start at 10 a.m. most days and end around 10 p.m. or later. So there's baseball on all day, but that's also very difficult to pay attention to. People only have to lock in on Sunday for football, large in part. They only have to lock in two, maybe three times a week for basketball, whereas baseball happens so often. And like like you say, you have to wait to see you know what the sample size tells you. But then if you miss a, a game or two, you know if, if you miss yesterday and you show up to the field, you're going to see the Giants game, maybe someone's going to see Tyra Estrada and, and didn't see what happened last night. The fact that he got hit by a pitch in the head, that he got concussed is now on the seven day IL and they're trading for this guy Dixon Machado so there's a lot that can kind of happen on a day-to-day basis inside of the already kind of daunting slate that is the everyday major league baseball schedule and it's I think it's just tough for people to keep up with Mm -hmm. from the 707 here speaking of baseball the generations uh, this is Ron from the 707 thanks Ron we actually started the show talking about this Ron says uh uh, the A's are saying on the A's broadcast that Roger Maris still holds a single-season home run record. I thought it was McGuire. I remember that. Did they take that record away because of steroids? Please let me know. Well, the deal, Ron, is you have two different records. Um, you have a National League record and you have your American League record. And it is a fact that Roger Maris still holds the American League record for most home runs in a season, which matters now if you're a baseball fan, if you care about these things, because Aaron Judge has a chance to break that record. Mark McGuire broke the single-season record, which Bonds also broke later. So the Major League record and National League record is 73. But as Aaron Judge, who now has 42 homers, 
as he continues to pile up the home run numbers. He is now, he does have a chance to break Roger Maris's American League single season record of 61. And some, you know, wink, wink would say, well, that's the record that really matters because of steroids. But no matter how you feel about that, it is the American League record, single season home run record, 61. He's on pace right now as Aaron Judge for 67. 67. It's unbelievable. And I, I, and you, you would know this better than me. When did kind of the, the home run race, I know it was a two-man race between McGuire and Sosa and then later Bonds to get to 73. But what, when did people start really getting into the, the home run rate, like the chase for the record? At, at what point in the season or did it kind of follow them the whole year? You're talking about the 98 season, McGuire yeah. and Sosa? Uh, I think around August it really, because it was just, remember, baseball was coming out still recovering from uh, the fact that you had the lockout and you had strike, I should say, and you had no World Series in 94. And then it was like, oh, it's a celebration of baseball again around August when the numbers piled up and piled up. And, you know, we were, we didn't realize, I remember thinking, guys don't hit this many home runs. Something's wrong. You know, and it was the steroids. But at the time, it was like, this is a great story for baseball. So I think around August, it really started gaining steam. And then September, it was uh, it was incredible. Although, to me, I was still skeptical. I felt like, this isn't right. This isn't natural. Uh, I remember Sosa was playing, I think, in September in San Diego. And the Padres had a big year that year. They went to the World Series. But he hit a home run. And it was such a great story that they set off fireworks in San Diego for a Sammy Sosa home run, and the players on the Padres were like, you got to be kidding me. But that's <laughs> it was such a big national like celebration of, oh, this is a great story. It's baseball. Well, and that's why I wonder when, on a more of a national stage, because I'm sure they've been talking about it all year at the pace that Judge had been hitting home runs. In New York, I'm sure they've discussed the potential of him breaking the record, maybe even the percentage of likeliness that he's going to do it. But from a more national perspective, I do wonder when or if we're going to start to see more stories and that being pushed, you know, on on sports at a leading sports center potentially, uh, because look, he is on pace for sixty seven. I I don't see him slowing down, and there's also really no one else that can come close to him. So it's he's in a league by himself at this point. He's clear cut to me the best player, best hitter in the AL, and I just wonder if we're going to see him be covered as such in two thousand twenty two. I think a big part of that comes down to this. As you mentioned earlier, Evan, baseball has become a more regional sport. So if it's Aaron Judge and he's chasing down Roger Maris for an American League record that, you know, is a kind of a Yankee record, is that going to translate nationally? Obviously, to baseball fans, it will. But the way McGuire and Sosa, that became everybody was celebrating baseball again. Will it be anything close to that? I don't think so, but I. It can only be good for baseball. I think it's just, you know, with baseball, the spot it's in now, even that is kind of an embarrassment, right? Because 61 home runs, that's the record. Well, what about the steroids? Yeah, we don't like to talk about that. So we'll just pretend that didn't happen. You know, there's that awkwardness now with all these records. I'm sure they would love for someone like Judge to come in and, as far as we know, legitimately, quote unquote, obliterate all the steroid records. Yeah, they would love that. Also, just to have a, a figure like Aaron Judge. The one thing that baseball, and I think many people have argued this, they what the thing that they have not done is really market their individual stars. And they market their brands. I think they market the league, but they don't market the players, which is the driving force behind the popularity in the NBA and even to some extent the NFL. So I think the fact that you have a player in Aaron Judge who is on 
you know, the biggest brand in sports in the New York Yankees in a market like New York City to be able to break the American League record potentially of a former Yankee who then before him broke Babe Ruth's right, record right. is something that is important. And the one thing that you could point at as far as baseball concerned and say for a sport that has not gotten many things right, especially in recent memory, this could be one thing that, that they can capitalize on. And I would love to see them too, even if that doesn't mean that our judge comes to San Francisco. Is there any chance in your opinion? I know we've talked about this. Any chance he comes to San Francisco? I'm, I think there's a slight chance. I believe everything that he's been saying about growing up as a giant fan and growing up in Linden, California. He is going to be a free agent. I mean, it's hard to imagine that he would want to play here rather than at Yankee Stadium. And You know, the Yankees are probably going to make, a, I would think, a competitive offer to keep him, right? But do you think there's a legitimate chance? I don't know if it's legitimate, but I think that in a weird way, if you're a Giants fan and you want to get Aaron Judge, you're kind of rooting for him to break the record and then fail spectacularly. Like, it in a weird way. Oh, so, I see. So to break the record and then... I don't know, choking a playoff game. You think that actually would impact his market value? I think it would impact the way that New Yorkers would look at Aaron Judge because what matters to them is is winning World Series titles. I know they haven't done it in a while, but that is the ultimate goal in New York. You're trying to get number 28, and that's where legacies are made. The, the captain documentary that's been rolled out of these recent weeks has been all about Derek Jeter, the winner. They're not talking about Derek Jeter, the 3,000 hit club, Derek Jeter, the 20-time all-star. It's Derek Jeter, the winner first, and all that other stuff comes second. So if Aaron Judge gets the record this year and then you know flames out of the postseason, maybe there could be an avenue where he doesn't feel the love that he feels like he deserves. And so maybe he wants to try and take his talents elsewhere where he can compete in a more comfortable situation, a place like San Francisco that, you know, for whatever you want to take, as he's talked about how much he loves, how much he adored growing up. That, to me, is really the only avenue I see of him coming to San Francisco. From the 949, I was at that Padres game with Sosa chasing the home run record where they lit the fireworks. What was even cooler is that every time a pitch passed home plate while Sosa was up, the stands would light up with cameras going off. Here would be, I think, one really good thing about Aaron Judge uh, zeroing in on this record. Could be wrong, but I think this could really work out for baseball. Baseball, part of the charm of it, whether you like it or not, has been the link to the past. With all the steroid use that drove some of these numbers way, way, way out of reach, baseball lost touch with some of the, the past. Because it's like, this is artificial. Some of these home run numbers, it's not real. And now some of these hollowed records, um, they're, they're, they're obsolete. And it's like a different game these guys are playing. But to me, if you had Aaron Judge, a Yankee, and he's trying to track down Roger Maris, another Yankee in a record he said in 1961, you have more of that, which I know for some people it's like, that's boring. But for other people, that that's part of the charm of baseball. And I think Aaron Judge chasing down Roger Maris could help baseball get back in touch with its past in a way that it has struggled to do so in the wake of steroid use. I think you're right. And I also want to ask you this, with all that said and all the, the great things that Aaron Judge could help with the game of baseball if somehow, and we're, I think we're both on the same page that it is very unlikely, but if somehow he gets to San Francisco, does that change the issues at hand that people have with the club? 
Yes. And I think if it comes to that, I think Farhan's smart enough to, to, and I think he's aware of this already, to put a pretty competitive team around Aaron Judge. And then all of a sudden, you've got, your, which we discussed earlier, you had your Will Clark era, you had your Barry Bonds era, you may have your Aaron Judge era. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's what Giants fans need. And, and that's what they want, right, as a face of the yeah. franchise. Going back to the 50s, there have not been many years where you could not point to a certain player and say, that is the San Francisco Giants. Buster Posey is the San Francisco Giants. Barry Bonds is the San Francisco Giants. Now it's, we're, we're just trying to find a starting shortstop. Yeah, like like that, Clark, that's what we're doing today. I am San Francisco. I am a San Francisco Giant forever. That was amazing. Thank you for listening today. Thanks for the feedback. We got a lot of calls and texts. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of them. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Cam. Evan, I, look, I cherish uh, the time we have together. I look forward to our next show. Back at you, Whitey. Can't wait. Yeah, and stick around whatever you do because we got Alan Styles and Chuck, right? Alan and Chuck. Is it Charlie or Chuck? Charlie Walters. Charlie Walters and Alan Styles are next right here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 